1: Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 121 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Yes, Anthony the Bull Caruso, back with you and back with another sport involving a round ball. But instead of the round ball being made of leather and usually being coloured red, we will instead be dealing with a size of 5 or white ball, yes. Football back on the agenda with a delayed start. We are finally excited to talk about this new season for the Hyundai A-League. It is shaping to be a big one this year, a new team entering the competition this year. I think a lot to talk about when it comes to not only players, but the way the competition is going to go into the future. As always, we will have our chief football analyst joining us too. As always, please welcome back the spicy Chorizo himself. Don Rizzuto,
0: good evening to you. Yes, Caruso, good evening. It's great to be here talking all things football once again, a local flavour this time. A lot of people, uh, you know, they listen to us, um, will know that I'm more of a, a European fan boy. Uh, but that's not to say that we don't give the love that is needed to uh, the A-League here on, the, on Splinters. And I'm looking forward to getting through what's, you know, Poised to be another very intriguing season for football Australia, across not just matches on the field, but also often, which I'm sure we'll discuss uh, throughout the the season. But tonight is all about the season that's ahead for the football that's going to happen on the field. As you mentioned, Caruso, there's been a lot of changes. Maybe there's going to be a shift at the top. Who knows? I, for one, though, looking forward to having a look at these teams and running the rule over them ahead of what's going to be that pretty hectic season that we're about to get this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And tonight we'll be looking at all 12 teams. Yes, Dom. 12 teams in the competitions. about time the A-League expanded.
0: Yeah, look, it's expanding that way. I think the expansion is, is right. I think one of the things that I've really found with the A-League more than anything else is, is that it does tend to get a little bit boring in the back end of the season sometimes because the teams are playing each other more than twice you know they're playing about three or four times it kind of loses that spectacle a little bit when and i often have this gripe with things like the big bash and so on and so forth around the season kind of dragging on longer than it needs to well in a, obviously in a league it's a little bit different because they obviously try to match the european season and try and run it at the same time i've got to say the more teams that are coming in and the, and the and the talk around uh relegation and promotion football is heading in the right direction it just needs to stay the course and it needs to make some smart business decisions moving forward and like you said the the, the more teams, as that old saying goes, the more the merrier, should add hopefully a a different dynamic to the division and and shake things up a little bit. Well,
1: it's a competition that's been dominated in the last couple of years by the Sky Blues, and of course we are referring to Sydney FC. It's going to be intriguing to see who can take the challenge to the boys, well, we can say now formally of Park Road as they wait for a new stadium to be built, Um, but we'll look at the transfers, see where the strengths and weaknesses will come for this competition, and we're going to have a special look at This 12th team, of course, MacArthur FC, known as the Bulls, a team in southwestern Sydney. And I think the smart play that they've done with this, Dom, is that they've got a little bit of representation for this team in Canberra as well.
0: Yeah, exactly right. There's going to be, um, which I think we've we've mentioned a few times before, is something that um, we thought, well, a place where we thought that the expansion would go in the first place. They've obviously tried to capture that southwest market before uh, other other teams and other sporting codes tried to get in there first, try and get the blueprint into that area. Area. And as you mentioned, you do capture that sort of outskirts of Canberra uh, and the ACT down at the further south you go. So it's a big catch for an area where they, you know, will hopefully drive a lot of fan base. And it's a big it's a big area in terms of where people are moving to as well. So it, it's a, I think it's a smart decision. Hopefully, though, they can also produce the results on the field so that you can actually generate that excitement around the team. So with that, the
1: referee signals time on. We are underway. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. We're going to kick things off here tonight with our first team in alphabetical order. It is the Reds themselves, Adelaide United. They've been managed this year by Carl Vert. And I have to say, they had a period, Dom, and you and I would have spoken about this many a time, where they went through almost an embracement of tiki-taka football, it actually brought them success for a while and it just hasn't come since.
0: Yeah, look, I think Adelaide drew a good season. I think I've said it a few times where they like to do it every every second year. They play well every second year. <laughs> they have a good run and then they have a bad run, then they have a good run, then they have a bad run. It, it Because of the chopping of changing that they sort of bring in and out of the squad, one year they'll bring in a bunch of players and those players will go leave and, and chase something a bit bigger. But then They'll find themselves, you know, having a little bit more cash in reserve the following year to to splurge a little bit and bring in some extra firepower. I think it's that it's that year for them to have a another good stab at uh, at Silverware. Um, you've got to remember they've, they've they've won consecutive FFA Cup titles as you've mentioned. Uh, they won the league uh, a while ago, and they're one of Australia's kind of you know footballing darlings really. And, Considering, you know, they don't have a rugby league team, as I said, they've got two AFL teams, one that did quite well this year, but haven't won in quite some time. The league team is, you know, the football team has produced some, some really good results in over its its course of its history. And I think it's good for Australian football when Adelaide is playing well.
1: Well, let's go through the uh, the transfers. There's two things that really comes to mind here with their transfers out. George Blackwood, who's been in the competition forever and a day, he's off to Oldham Athletic in England. They've lost the Scorpion master himself in Riley McGree, who's gone to Charlotte, FC in the USA. This one's an interesting one. Now, Paul Izzo is a somewhat average player. and He's going to Z- Zanthi in Greece. But, Dom, it's actually a little bit of an interest with because there's a number of players going to Zanthi this year and they've all got one thing in
0: common. What is that, Caruso? Oh, you're <laughs> going to love
1: this. Some, some manager who's come from Australia, has coached a couple of teams in the A-League, has now been picked up. His name? Tony
0: Popovich. Oh, that is correct. That is where he's gone. For mine to start off with, the loss of Riley
1: McGree, I mean... Is he more than a one hit wonder with that scorpion goal? Or do you think he's gonna be a great pickup for Charlotte?
0: Uh look, I think he'll he'll do well uh, in America. I was watching the the other day actually on television. I, I didn't think the standard was beyond uh, Riley McGree's ability. I think he can slot in well and be a decent cog uh, for them um, in that midfield. And not one of the bigger teams and more of the well-known teams in the in the MLS as well. He'll have a good shot there and it'll be a, you know, a great opportunity. I'm sure, sure it's a great experience. I think I wouldn't mind having a go at the MLS <laughs> and making that my career path, that's for sure. He definitely offers uh, a lot for this Adelaide team. I don't think he had the same impact like he had at Newcastle for that one season but he'd still be lost nonetheless
1: they have been able to replace him to a certain extent they've got two players that have come in one has gone into defence to, to cover for George Blackwood that's Yavi uh, Lopez who's been signed from a very decent club in Espanol the return of a champion himself Tommy Yurik has come back from Bulgaria. That is a big get for Adelaide United.
0: It's a big signing. Uh, Tommy's had, you know, great success in the A-League. So, fortunately, you know, never really filled in the role of, of, of Tim Cahill for the national team. Struggled to score goals there. Didn't have the greatest of statistics over in Bulgaria for CSK Sofia. At an A-League level, he has been fantastic. And he'll offer Adelaide something, that they probably struggled with in the last few seasons, which is to score consistently. They've always been a, a very high press team, like to harass, like to get in your face, like to make sure that uh, you pressure the play, you know, with their own attack. But John Uruk will give them that that solidarity up front, that Mr. Consistency, hopefully. And and you know we'll probably look to have a you know a big season too. You only have to look at the likes of Jamie McLaren, who has done. Done really well for Melbourne City since he's come back from overseas and he's found himself in the in the starting lineup for the Socceroos and I'm sure that's you know what Tommy Urich has probably got on his mind ahead of a World Cup that's only a year or so away.
1: I've tipped them battling to make the finals. Your your prediction, Dom?
0: I'm going to have to agree with you there, Caruso. Let's
1: go to the next team, the Brisbane Roar. They're managed by Warren Moon. The fact that Warren Moon is a, is the manager of Brisbane Roar is a story in itself. After what happened during the off season, which I think has probably been one of the most disgraceful moments to ever before an A-League club.
0: Yeah, look, it was a bit of a kerfuffle, wasn't it, really? You know, they had Robbie Fowler in there, who was doing some really good things in the back end of the season, and was getting them marching, and then with the pandemic, things got halted, and then he ended up having to go back overseas, Warren Moon in charge, and I mean, other than that, it's. but since then, you know, it's just been downhill. They've, you know, been relying on Scott McDonald to juice wins for them. It's been a pretty disappointing season for them all up, especially after they kind of turned it around in the back half of, this, of the of the competition. Yeah, absolutely. And the way that Fowler
1: left and claimed to go back because of COVID, I and mean, then pick up this this big money contract contract with East Bengal in the Indian Super League, I just thought, wow, what a way to just rub your nose at, at a at a club that threw everything to bring you here. You know, it's my displeasure at the way Liverpool goes as a club or anyone connected with Liverpool as a club goes. It's just gotten a whole lot worse as far as I'm concerned. Have <laughs> actually lived actually Hampton, by the way. Um, the other problem is that their transfers haven't really helped them either. I mean, they've signed Riku Danzaki, who's an up-and-comer from Japan. But as you mentioned, Scott McDonald, he works well only if you play a 4-4-2. And he's got a strike partner up front, and I don't see anyone who can, keep, who can play with him.
0: No, not really. I mean, they bring in Joel Champness on loan, who's been a bit of an A-league stalwart for a couple of seasons now. He'll add a little bit to their attack, but, you know, they lose Brad Inman, Scott Neville goes, which is going to be you know, big losses for them uh, in that side, and they haven't really brought in anyone yet to, you know, replace that kind of power and they're kind of struggling as a club up there as well at the moment. You know, the Ange coglu days have really, really hurt them. As we like to say, those fair weather Queensland fans, when the team starts doing poorly, they stop turning up. So it's kind of what's been the case here for the for the raw this year, and I'm sorry, last season. And I and I don't see it getting much better for them this year. Uh, with the team that they have. I'm tipping that
1: they're an outside chance for the spoon. I think you're, gonna, you're the sense I get is you're going to go further.
0: I still don't think they're as bad as the team we're about to talk about. So they're a chance, but I still think there's a team that's worse. <laughs>
1: Well, let's go to the next team there, and I think it's the team you're hinting is going to be favourites for the spoons. Central Coast Mariners. They're managed this year by Alan Staggich for his, uh, his second year, and a host of players leaving, and some decent names for them leaving as well, Dom.
0: Yeah, look, Tommy Or's um, on his way on his way to the north to, to India to North East United. Uh, they lose Michael McGlinchey to Scotland. That's just a big loss for them. Obviously he's been around for the traps for a while. Jordan Murray didn't have too bad a season as well. He's off to India as well. And that's, you know, when you think about the likes of the players I've just mentioned and players that they have in their disposal, they're going to be struggling again this year. They do bring in Oliver Bosnich from Hearts. who's not a bad pickup for them, but other than that, yeah, they're going to, I think they're going to struggle again. Defensively is where they really, they really struggle, really don't have much to offer um, at the back. I mean, they're, you know they've got a, they've still got the likes of Daniel de Silva, who obviously has never really reached the potential we all thought that he would, and they've got Matt Simon up front. What do they call him? The Woi Wizard, the Wizard of Woi Woi. Um, <laughs> who, you know, will be, you know, God knows how many seasons he's in now, but you know he's a goal scorer at this level, and you know and will provide a, a little, a, an iconic figure for the club. But yeah, I mean I've been saying this about the Central Coast Mariners for a while now that you know the club's in pretty dire straits in terms of its financial position. They're not producing results on the field. They've got a, their backs against the wall again this year to do anything kind of good. Look, they've got a good coach there in Alan Staich who we've mentioned obviously during his time at the Matildas. But, you know, you're coming in now to his second or third full season uh, or second season. You know, this is the time, you know, he's really got to step up. You know, he came halfway through that, that tumultuous time during the Matildas sacking and then for a season that was so bad that he was never going to get the job done at any kind of level. He didn't really go and kick on in the next season. You could forgive him with the resources at his disposal, but, you know, how many excuses uh, can he be given or any chances can he be given? I think this is a the season where he, he really needs to produce um, something in terms of results from this side. Uh, if he wants to find himself still in a, you know, head coaching role or a manager role uh, by the you know halfway point of next year? The, the,
1: the interesting thing he's done with it is he's gone for young players. He's not only brought quite a few players up through the Central Coast Mariners Academy, but he's gone and picked up guys from the Oli Roos, obviously where Oliver Bozanic and Daniel Bowman have come from. Um, the question is going to be, is it enough for them? I, I get the feeling that they're going to improve, but it's not going to be enough. And this is still a work in progress for another couple of years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, look, they've got Mark giddy at the back as well, in yeah, between the sticks, which will give them a little bit of hope that uh, he might be able to keep some some clean sheets for them. But yeah, no, it's the spoon for me for the Mariners.
1: Let's go to the next team, and it's the new club um, in the competition this year, Macarthur FC, the Bulls, and uh, managed by a, an old favourite of the um, of the soccer roots for a long time, in Ante Milicic. And I'll tell you what, they've gone hard for some big
0: name players yeah look this club has the potential to be very very good um from the outset you know you're looking at the players that they, that they brought in uh to all who, they, who they're starting with you've got adam federici at the back mark milligan as captain i mean i've always put my opinion on mark milligan as a as a player but uh he's always been very good um here in, on Australian soil. Ivan Franic, again, at the back. They've brought in Misalav Popovich, I believe, uh, Tony's son. Tommy Orr comes in uh, for them, which is a which is a big boost as well. Uh, so, look, they've got some decent quality across the pitch. And they got uh, uh, Ben Yap as well, uh, former Bayern Munich uh, midfielder, um, who will provide some some really good sort of experience in the squad um they're going to be challenging a lot of teams this season um but they've still got uh some sort of um sort of work to do i think if, unlike the, the 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 melbourne united side that came in i think that squad even though it was dad's army had a little bit more experience across the board but this side is still going to be exciting i think
1: yeah i i think what what we're seeing from here is a real big mixture of youth and experience, but I, I think the big signing out of this, the one that's probably going to give them the most um, go forward here, will be Matt Darvishy. Um He has, he does have a lot of experience playing in the English competition, mainly in the Football League Championship. But then again, you know, we've seen that probably the standard of the A League at its very best is probably comparable with the Football League Championship in England.
0: Yeah, look, it's, you know, I think it's the, in terms of you want to compare it to to English football, you're looking at, uh, you know, the second half of the championship and, you know, definitely better than League One, I think. Um, is You know, some of these guys, I think guys like Sydney SC could you could think you could beat? At a, at a championship level and 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 a former sort of Melbourne victory side. But, um, you know, I think, as you mentioned, you know, as we've seen guys like Adam LaFondra come along and, you know, be a real weapon for Sydney FC, Matt Derbyshire has the opportunity to do similar things for them as well uh, for MacArthur.
1: I see them hit, I see them reaching top six. Am I being a bit optimistic or do you see them doing doing the
0: same? Look, I I, I don't think, I think it's maybe optimistic, but it's not. Far fetched. It's definitely an up a chance. That's for sure. But it's going to be a it's going to be a hard push. I think. I think very close. Maybe sixth, seventh. Very yeah. full, just short.
1: Let's go to our next team,
0: and it is the well. I mean, what do we call?
1: Are they are they the blue side of Sydney? Are they the sky blue side of Sydney, or are they the red side of Sydney? Because we are talking about Melbourne City, but for mind. I always remember quite fondly the couple of years that they existed as Melbourne Heart, and I thought, you know, ah. it's a nice difference that they had.
0: Yeah, Melbourne Heart wasn't too bad actually. I mean, it didn't, it just didn't really get off the mark, did it? I think Melbourne City's got a a little bit more of a professional kind of tone to it. And they're part of the city group now as well, obviously. So that's really good that, you know, Australian football has a club that's, uh, you know, is privately uh, privatised and pretty self, self-funded self as well. And they've got a very good squad. You know, I think they've, you know, they struggled obviously to sort of keep up with uh Sydney FC uh, last year in that final, but, you know, they had a very good season in the lead up to that grand final. And I don't see that sort of changing all that much, you know, next uh, this season coming. I d- yes, they do lose, Josh Brilliante to to Xanthi, as we who we mentioned previously, but other than that, you know they lose a couple of the young guys and a couple of fringe players, but they don't really lose too much from the side that was one step away from taking themselves to you know glory you know last season. they bring in Aidan O'Neill from Burnley, that's a good pickup. Andrew Nabucca does the just the the City switch from the Melbourne Victory. Uh, ben Gareccio comes back from Hearts. They've signed Marco. Tilo from Sydney FC, so they've got some players uh, coming in who could sort of add some real quality for the side. And as I mentioned before, they've got Jamie McLaren up front who was the Golden Boot last year. So I imagine that again; they're going to be right up there competing with the very best. The the
1: only question I've really got about it is the is the fact that they've changed managers again, and it's now Patrick Kisnorbo of all people who's now come <laughs> in. Yeah, you'd think for a club the size and with the support that Melbourne City has. They've gone for someone very inexperienced in terms of coaching in Kis Yeah,
0: an interesting decision. Um, they, they haven't gone down the path of bringing in a high-value manager, but look, we've seen clubs try and do that, you know, the ones that don't have the same kind of fan base or the same kind of position in terms of power in the competition at the moment. You know, Robbie Fowler was somewhat of a failed experiment in the end. You know, they've brought in guys like Van Ship and stuff like that. They've had success... But, you know, I think it's time that, you know, I think Australia actually give coaches, you know, based here in Australia a chance to prove themselves. So I think it'll only make the game better that, you know, players can go into management and then come out the other side, go and play and then come out the other side. I think it's only better for the game. I've got
1: them going yeah. close again this year. I, I think the the pickup of um, Andrew Naboot's going to, um, Slotting very well. It's going to give them a very potent attack with Jamie McLaren up front with him. And Marco Tilio, who was absolutely sensational for, as one of the youth players for Sydney FC. Can they go one better this year?
0: Not for mine. I think they, go, they fall short. I think they, well, if we're talking finals, I think anything can happen on the day, but if you're the just league. talking ladder finishes, I think they're still second for me. They're still second place for you. Yes. Let's go to our last
1: team before the, before the break. And it is the Navy blue side of Melbourne, the Melbourne victory. And, once again, another year, another manager change. This time, Grant Brebner, before another former player, coming in to take over the team. And after the absolute horror story that was last year, they have really taken the cleaners through the squad.
0: They have, yeah. It was a disastrous year under Marco Kurtz for most of the year. Grant Brebner's in now. Don't be shocked. And here's my call cool, cool for this year. Don't be shocked. If they get off to a bad start, this Melbourne victory side, But Grant gets the early sack and they bring back Kevin Muscat. Don't be surprised if it happened. If you've been paying attention to the world of footballing recently, uh, Muscat was recently let go from the Belgian side that he was managing this year, 14 matches in, didn't go so well and has been cut. So he's going to be out of a job, and you'd think that you know a return to Australia to the to the side that he knows, the club that he knows also, oh so well, if an opportunity came up, I wouldn't see him not taking it. So just keep an eye on that one, folks. But, yeah, look, as we mentioned, quite a few players leaving this team. Andrew Naboot is gone. James Donich, he's gone, which is big. Kenny Atheo's gone. Big side, Califuco, gone. Big names there from the side uh, last year, but you thought we're going to sort of take them uh, towards a the title. They have replaced them uh, with some relatively decent players. they brought in the big one being Rudy Gusted from Middlesbrough, who's had a, you know, he's played pr- very consistently at championship-level football for a number of years, the, the big Frenchman. Um, I think in Australia, he's, he's got a big season ahead. I think he's a really terrific signing. He's a really strong athletic player, can finish well. I think he'll suit the Australian style very nicely um, for victory and hopefully he'll score a few goals for them. They've brought a couple of players over from Luton. Um, I know these guys quite well, we're being uh, 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 Luton being my local uh, team in England when I grew up. Callum McManaman comes across as a good young winger. Uh, and Jake Butterfield a holding a holding midfielder as well so some two good signings there from England but yeah they've they haven't brought in much uh, in terms of you know in terms of quality but you know they made it to the round of you know 16 of the Asian Champions League obviously they fell in there in that game to 3-0 but they you know the fact that they got there shows that you know they're a decent side and they really got you know in terms of their position in Australian football and, and the A League they're a definite top-six side and I think will be really, you know, if they can get off to a good start, there's no excuses why they can't be, you know, fighting with the best.
1: It should be noted as well that they have retained the services of the likes of Adama Traore, Lee Broxham, Robbie Cruz and Marco Rojas in the in the lineup. although there would be debate on the value that Robbie Cruz brings to the, to the squad. But I do rate the likes of Broxham and Marco Rojas.
0: Yeah, Broxham and Rojas are very good. Robbie Cruz is that Australian anomaly, isn't he, really? I think he um I think he cops a lot of, I think unfair slack. Fair or unfair is an argument for another time. You can ask uh what was his face at the World Cup why they played him um uh, when he wasn't in particularly good form. He still will add a wealth of experience to that attack. Uh, yes, he's lost his pace, which is obviously a big part of his game, but you know, maybe he can mould that into you know, a bit more of a, a tactical or strategical style of wing play um, this season, and, and produce some good results for for the victory uh, in 2020 and 2021. Well, the challenge will
1: be the challenge will be for Mind is whether they can actually utilise what they've got to the full extent, because it's one thing they really haven't done over the last couple of years, but. Uh, I've got them improving, not making the finals, but improving is it enough. I don't think it is, but you're you're saying you think they will.
0: I think that they've got enough in the squad to be a top six side. Maybe like a maybe finishing sixth.
1: Okay, ladies and gentlemen. Well, with that, we are just coming on half time now, so we are going to take a break as uh, we catch our breath, have a quick drink, and uh, get a bit of the orange.
0: Were you always were you an orange guy at halftime? No, I we with. The- Origins were always supplied, but I was never—I never eat during or before or a, a, a competitive match. Uh, the, I just don't like the risk of getting a stitch or needing to have a quick uh, potty break.
1: <laughs> the only thing <laughs> I would—the only thing I would have apart from liquids would be maybe a, one or two snakes. That's all I would have for that extra bit of sugar.
0: Yeah, I think I would so. even go two, one, maybe a half. Half half a snake. Yeah.
1: The old killer pythons. <laughs> uh, those would be the way they go. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll have part two of our preview of the A League. This is Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H one hundred point one FM, streaming on the web at ww.triple and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn, and all good podcast sites. We'll be right back. <laughs> Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. Anthony Bull Caruso and the Spicy Chorizo himself, Dom Rizzuto, talking about the A-League for 2020-21. And, and before we get into it, Dom, I think we need to make a quick mention once again of the poor marketing that's been going on from the A-League in terms of promoting the competition. <laughs> The shining light into the promoting the A-League is some Facebook page called A-League Meets. <laughs> it's, uh,
0: yeah, it, it isn't done very well, is it? I mean, the way the competition stands in terms of its existence is still very fragile, I think, in Australia. Um, we can discuss that, as I mentioned, at a later date, uh, how the season, once we get uh, right into the heart of the new season. It's too early to tell. Uh, but it's a big year uh, this year for the A League. They need some, they need some economic results, whether that be fan attendance or uh, some some TV audience, because it's been going downhill as we know for the last couple of years, and can't really afford to take another hit.
1: Maybe what they need to do is they need to give A League memes a one million dollar um. Contracts to market the market the competition.
0: Fair enough. I know the yeah. guy who started up. Actually, I worked with him at Fox Sports. Um, he does. You know, he's he, hey, he's a, a very funny man. man.
1: You reckon could get him money one day?
0: Uh, you know what? I probably could. I yeah, ask. We, we should. Sure. I'm sure he'd do it. Yeah. Oh, I'm I'm sure mate, do it.
1: Any any chance he would get to absolutely heap? on other sports or just the A-League in general. And the other one I think we need to do is we need to get that guy, the guy who was the barbecue sauce bottle for the Central Coast Mariners.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah, I think that's no. a job for you, Cruz, so I don't know who that is.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know who he is, but honestly, Dom, let's just say, is he our hero? Is the hero we don't deserve.
0: Yeah, that's, tr- that's exactly the way that I'd put it. <laughs>
1: uh, we do miss the sauce bottles. We do miss the sauce bottles. Let's get straight back into it with our previews. And, you know, we go from talking about sauce bottles to going up the, the old F3, now known as the M1, up to McDonald's Jones Stadium. It is the Newcastle Jets. And lo and behold, more manager issues. This time they're going in with an interim.
0: Yeah, they're bringing you Craig Dean. Um, after Carl Robinson didn't work out last year. Um, this side, is it, it's, it's disappointing to see. Newcastle go down this path but I quite like uh, Newcastle's sporting teams I think there's a there's a somewhat kind of uh, nostalgia to them in terms of if it's not rugby league it, it's football yes I do think people you know can badwagger them quite a bit when they are successful but it's it's nice having them being successful right uh, you sort of sort of not country team but out of Sydney team kind of you know Second city kind of vibe. It's quite nice when they're doing well. I think it's good for the sport, and people get out to watch them there. They get some good crowds, win or lose, um, which is you know, which is always great to see. Um, but they've never been the same side after their their incredible finals run uh, two or three years ago now, where they went down to that controversial VAR decision to the to the victory. Uh, but they just haven't picked up. They lost a couple of players here and there, and they just haven't been able to sort of fill the shoes. And I, t- I mean, I just don't know where they're gonna get, you know, any sort of success uh, this year, you know, especially when they lose the likes of Dimitri Petratos, um, who's been sort of their main attacking weapon for the last four or five years. Well,
1: when you consider as well the service he was giving to the likes of of Roy O'Donovan um, and and Bernie Abini up front. You know, this is a team that should be doing a hell of a lot better. The other thing that comes to mind is the age of their defence, especially with the yeah. likes of Nigel Bugar and Nikolai Topol Stanley.
0: Yeah, the boys are getting on a bit there at the back and showed a little bit last year. But I think more of their problem was is they couldn't score goals last year. Dmitry Patros just didn't have the help uh, that he needed. Roy, Roy Donovan had a particularly quiet season which I'm sure people would have been frustrated about and Bernie Abini hasn't really settled in at all so they've got some work to do up front, they've got some you know, some work, ish, work issues at the back as well but, but it's, this is experience there you know, to get themselves through um, matches but yeah, there's they're, they're not for me screaming finals footy again uh, this year. Hey. And
1: I think it could get worse if they have a couple of injuries because that is really a threadbare squad, especially in their defense. Like when you look at that squad, there is only six defenders in that in that entire squad. One or two goes down, and all of a sudden they're going to be struggling.
0: Yeah, they've got some they've got some depth issues for sure. The the Jets, and again, if they if they get the plague, the injury plague, um, it's probably not the right word to use in in this day and age. Um, the, the injury curse. Um, then again, not so great. They just get a lot of injuries. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they might find themselves challenging, uh, you know, for to, challenging to not win the spoon.
1: Yeah. Let's go across the uh, the country, across the Nullarbor, all the way over to Perth Glory. Uh, of course, the big new, the other big news in terms of managerial change this year: Tony Popovich has left. He's gone to Zante. An interesting decision. This. He's been replaced by Richie Garcia.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting signing uh, at, at the helm. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can bring. Richie Garcia. Uh, we all know from his playing days, um, you know that he was, uh, you know, a pretty handy, pretty handy player um, for the likes of Sydney FC and all, and uh, and stuff like that in his time. Um, I expect, you know, some pretty good things from him, Um, you know, from this side again this year. Uh, They had a little bit of a hiccup last year. But, uh, you know, I think there's some chance that um, they'll do well again.
1: It's a a big change-up for the squad this year as well. A lot of the players who came over as part of this Popovich revolution that per glory, that almost got them a a championship. Uh, They've all disappeared now. Obviously, Christian and Gabriel Popovich have followed. Um, they followed their dad over to Greece, but some of the other names that have that are left with this as well: Nathaniel Atkinson, Ivan Franek, Ivan Franek, Joel Kiyanesi, all leaving uh, NIB State NIB Stadium. And it really has to be said that they haven't really brought anyone new in, with the exception of maybe Andy Keogh making his long-awaited return.
0: Yeah, Andy Keogh comes back, who uh, will be a big. Bigger- Big end for them. But, yeah, other than that, they lose a lot. Usually they lose one day. Uh, they've lost Christian Popovich, uh, to him following his dad over to Xanthe, uh, as well as Gabriel Popovich, the other son, um, who's yet to make a kind of start. They lose uh, Thomas Laferchella, who did pretty well when he win been released. Um, Jake Brimmer went over to Melbourne Victory. Nathaniel Atkinson to City. Ivan Franich has gone to MacArthur. They've lost Joel Chianese to India. Um, and then only really replace him with Jonathan Astro Potemitis, uh from Western Whoa United. son. I, uh, I did it. I
1: had to done. do it slowly. You
0: did it. I had to do it slowly, but uh, I got there in the end. <laughs> uh, other than that, they haven't, really, yeah, they haven't really done very much in terms of bringing uh, players in. Hopefully they can get Bruno Forneroli firing. He hasn't really kicked off since he landed on uh Western Australian shores. If they can get him firing alongside Andy Keogh, they'll be a real force to be reckoned with with, with, uh, this year.
1: Especially in front of probably one of the better um, midfield combinations in Diego Castro and Chris Economides.
0: Well, they've got, in terms of their, they've got a very good squad. I think they just suffered last year after after falling to Sydney in that final. They just couldn't back it up again the following year. But if you look at their attack, Andy Keogh, Bruno Fornaroli, Diego Castro, like yeah, you know, as you said, Chris Economides, Diego Costino, they've got a, a, an unbelievably talented attacking lineup. Arguably, that on paper just as good as Sydney FC's, if not better. Now they've got you know plenty of plenty of talent up front. I just think it's been what's been behind them that has just been so leaky that has let them down last season and. Again, I think it'll be their Achilles heel in this season. But there, there's one thing that they shouldn't have a problem with. It's scoring goals.
1: I've got them battling for the top six. I get the feeling you think if they click, they could go even
0: further than that. I think they're a top four side, personally. Yeah, we are. Yeah, they're, not gonna not, they're not going to finish above Melbourne City. And, you know, I think we all know who we're going to pick as number one. But they're definitely, I think, you know, an opportunity to finish three, four. Five. Maybe I think they're better than Melbourne Victory. Who I've got in at six. Maybe a uh,
1: maybe an outside chance for the finals if things go their way. Maybe Champions League. Possibly they could even focus on the FFA Cup.
0: Could also focus on that. There's plenty to go for this season. Um, but I think yeah, with the talent that they have up front, there's no reason why they can't be outscoring teams this season.
1: Let's go back over to the East Coast and it is the defending champions, Sydney FC, managed by Steve Corica. And, and arguably, not only the quietest transfer window that Sydney has ever had in its existence, but probably the quietest out of all the A-League squads this year.
0: They lose, As we mentioned, they lose Marco Otilio to Melbourne City. Adam LaFondra has, uh, has moved on to, to India to play uh, for Mumbai City. He's gone on loan, though, so he may come back next season and play for the Sky Blue again. But, you know, I think, um, you know, even with him gone, they still... They have a very good attacking lineup of Costa, Barb Kostas, Barbaroussis, Trent Bahaja, obviously Milos Nikovic uh, in there as well. They've got some some very good attacking talent and are just all round get very, very solid their Sydney FC squad.
1: What one of the things I've noticed as well is unlike previous years, they've actually they're actually pushing their youth academy and it's showing up, you know. One of our fan favorites and Jimmy Van Weeren, the, the, the success he's having at the moment with promoting kids up. Mark Tilio, one of his, who's now gone to Melbourne, who's now gone down to Melbourne. But the likes of Luke Ivanovic, Harry van der Sarg, uh Cal Neuwenhof, and Patrick Wood, and Joel King, who have all broken into the Sydney FC lineup, all of a sudden they've got a, an academy that's producing quality players.
0: And it's the way football should go. I think if Australia wants – and I've been saying it for a while – Australia should be investing in its youth product and not wasting its money on, on retirement contracts for, for, for overseas stars. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Whilst that is a great economic win in the short term, it's it, it doesn't build – you can't it, – it's not a sustainable model. If you want the football league to grow, you have to invest in what's going to support it, right? And that's more kids playing the sport – more people and playing at a higher level earlier so that they can then push themselves to, to go on and play for the top clubs around the world. That's what will get people playing football in this country. So, you know, and it's, and Sydney FC are, are building a platform for that. You know, maybe they have the luxury, like some of the other clubs don't, being in obviously, you know, the, the biggest city in, in the country and have, and obviously football part of being the number one, number one, well not sorry, the number one sport in in Sydney, but, in terms of where it's all played. Most people play football in Sydney um, or in New South Wales. So they do have that catchment area. But, yeah, it's great to see that they're pushing these young guys forward and, and giving them, you know, the time that they, they need if they're going to want to continue pushing and not letting them, you know, their, their careers kind of dwindle away.
1: For mine, a lot's going to depend more than ever now on their, the Serbian magician in Ninkovic. Now, he is, he's been the fulcrum of this lineup. He's starting to get on, but he has two things that have been in his favour now. He's now fully fit again, and he's now become a naturalised Australian, so he looks like he's settling in very well, long-term to play in Sydney, but, geez, at his best, he is still close to, if not the best player in the competition at the moment.
0: Oh, absolutely. I I have to say, look, I've got this Sydney side first once again um, and clear favourites to take out the title, but it's arguably the weaker side weakest side on paper that they've fielded for quite some time. Um, the, I think the last couple of seasons they've had the best squad. You can see that they have had the best squad. Now they've only really got Ninkovic, Barbarouss and Bohaja uh, and obviously Andrew Redmayne at the back and Wilkinson. Guys were kind of getting on a little bit as well. We've got Anthony Caceres who's a very handy player as well but they don't have the likes of the one, the lineups that they had when they had Ninkovic and Milicevsky, uh Bobo, <laughs> oh, uh, those kind of sides up. Uh, that squad is it's not quite that squad anymore. So that was I still scary think, back then. They still think that they're they're the best on, in, in the country, but I think the gap is slowly closing from the other clubs. Let's
1: go to one of the surprise packages from last year. Uh, the Wellington Phoenix managed by Ulfuk Talley, of course, ex-Sydney FC. And I I think a lot of people say one of the real gentlemen of the A-League, he has done a remarkable job with the Knicks to get him to third place last year.
0: Well, I don't know what happened to the Knicks, but they must have heard us talking about, or me specifically, talking about how they don't deserve a place in the A-League because they were rubbish for a very long time. And then off the back of a season under Mark Rudin, and then very surprisingly off the back of a season under Ufuk uh Talley, have been very, very good. They've made some astute signings, um, some good footballers, they're playing great football, it's attack it's entertaining, it's it's attacking. And I and again I see them really pushing for a top four place once again this season if they continue the way they're going. It's been a miraculous turnaround from a side that was, which was begging for a, a renewed licence in the competition.
1: They, they do lose one of their most experienced players in Stephen Taylor, the ex-Newcastle United uh, defender to Odisha for his retirement fund in India. Uh, but a couple of very astute signings, as you said again, James McGarry from Wilhelm II in the Netherlands and one to watch out for which would be Toma Hemmed who's been brought back, brought back from Charlton Athletic.
0: Yeah, two big signings there. Obviously uh, Toma will be a good replacement for Gary Hooper who came in and had a pretty good season as well for the for the next this last season. Again, I've mentioned as i mentioned I think the signings they've made have been fantastic and there's definitely uh, you know room for them to improve this year and, and go on and become one of the you know consistently Decent size in the A League.
1: I've got them comfortably in the top six. I I don't see them catching Sydney FC or uh, Melbourne, Melbourne Victory, but I see them with the likes at least of Perth, with the likes of say Perth Glory uh, or possibly MacArthur. Uh,
0: absolutely. Could, couldn't agree more. We then
1: go on to the western side of Sydney, the Western Sydney Wanderers, uh, managed by Carl Robinson and, you know, they, 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 were, they were pumped, they were ready for this for last season with the opening of their new home at Bankwest Stadium. By, by the way, I have to ask you, have you had a chance to go out there because it is quite simply
0: astonishing. It's a great stadium. I've been there a couple of times for the rugby league last year, and I'm looking forward to actually going to watch some football there this year, in particular. It looks it is an amazing stadium. However,
1: I, I get the feeling now the wheels are slowly starting to fall off the bus. Of course, a couple of things have happened to the club over the last couple of years. Uh, the red and black block was largely disbanded, the original one. I think they've got a new one back, but it's. It's a shadow of, of its former self, and they've lost a few key players, have all left the club.
0: Yeah, that Mitchell joke's a big loss for the Wanderers. Matt Yermand, following uh, another player off to Xanthi, which is a disappointment there for them. They do bring in some D- uh, Graham Dorans from Dundee. He's both had a career in Europe for some time. Other than that, yeah, they don't. They just don't have that squad that they first had all those those years ago when they first started to Sydney Wanderers, they were they p- were putting football on the map when they first came through. Without getting too political, our boring nanny state that we call home here in New South Wales, in Sydney in particular, crippled what was arguably the greatest sporting atmosphere that you have in Australia. Unfortunately, there was, you know, you know you can argue that, you know, some of it may have been blown out of proportion a little bit and, you know, they, they could have been somewhere, they, but they could have met in, in the middle, but they didn't. It was either your way or the highway between both sides, the RBB block uh, sort of executive figures, if that's what you want to call them, and, and the A-League executive figures and New South Wales law enforcement. Um, and and, certain, and, and, and they've never recovered. They've never recovered because people stopped turning up. They started. They stopped getting money through the door, and they haven't been able to bring in decent players.
1: And, we're and sure again, get now again, nice.
0: more crippled by the likes of, you know, MacArthur Rams coming through. We should mention as well one or
1: two Daily Telegraph journalists who don't follow football uh, in their lives, one of them in particular being someone who's an AFL caller but wanted to stick the boot in because she can't stand, yes, there's a clue who I'm referring to, she can't stand the idea of football supplanting AFL as a, as a, as a um, code force. Well,
0: that's the AFL for
1: you. <laughs> yeah. My thought with this team is that they still have, I think, probably one of the strongest defences in the competition – Dylan McGowan Daniel Georgeski, Tate Russ Tate Russell in particular in this defensive lineup they pick up Philip Kankar who's come back it's a very strong defensive lineup I just don't see goals in them
0: yeah there, there, there isn't there isn't I don't know where they're going to get they're going to get their goals this season I, I just don't see it I, they'll be relying heavily on on um, the Guys like Kwame Yeboah and Keanu Bax again to maybe produce a moment of magic for them, but yeah, other than that, I don't. Or Bruce Kamau, I just don't really know where the where the consistent goals are going to come from.
1: Well, I've, I've got them. I don't see them making the top six again. I think they're going to be stuck eight, eighth,
0: or ninth. Yeah, not I really think they're country. falling. I think they're falling short too. We then go to the last team, the
1: team that's been introduced over the last couple of years, Western United. Managed once again by Mark Ruder. Finished a very credible fifth place, um, and the key for them this year is they've largely kept the same the same key players in this lineup, headed up by Bessar Parisha and the Italian maestro uh, Alessandro Diamanti Amanti.
0: Yeah, Dad's Army, uh, but they uh, are a are, are, are pretty good Dad's Army to to say that. You know, they've got a strong squad this year, which I think will only benefit from playing together again. This year, um, as, a men- as we've mentioned, you have got Alessandro Diamante in there, Max Burgess who plays, you know, played very well under Rudin at, at the Knicks before coming across. Philip Coteau as well in goals is very handy, and they got Adam Andrew Durante at the back holding it together, and of course the the Mercurial Bessar Barisha, who perhaps maybe we saw last year the first time of age finally creeping up on him but he's still very, very good uh, on his day, and you can't give him a yard of space. This side, he can beat anyone on its day, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they can produce this year, and Mark Rudin, who I think is a fabulous coach. An
1: interesting signing for mine is Victor Sanchez, another player who's come across from Espanol um, to go into the midfield, I, I like this signing because they have got they now developed a bit of a, a plan B. They've got the almost Tequista style of play with Diamante, the but they've now developed a bit of a a plan B by having a tough Spanish midfielder in there to give us a variation of tiki-taka as a as an option.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be some ball players now uh, in this squad. You know they had a lot of guys up front, but probably didn't have that sort of deep-lying midfielder who could kind of generate that connection between the the, the defense and the in the attack. That's what they get in Victor Sanchez, who will offer them a lot uh, in terms of his experience on the ball and, as you mentioned, the Spanish passing game. He'll bring that flair, which will really help this side control the tempo because if there's one thing they do lack is they lack a little bit of speed due to their age and. They need. If they want to beat teams. They really need to. They need to play around teams and play smarter, and not try and go with them toe to toe in terms of athleticism.
1: Let's let's talk very quickly on Ruby before we give our verdict on this on this team. Now, this is a guy who had been screaming out for a go in the A League as a manager. Got his chance at Wellington, did pretty well. Broke hearts when he came over to Western United, but he's starting to really show his worth as probably one of the most astute tactical managers in the competition.
0: Absolutely. And if you're thinking about sort of, you know, uh, of a Socceroos perspective, you know, if he continues to get results with the teams that he's managing here, Australian soil. It's only a matter of time until Graham Ardle, uh, you know, might part way from the from the Socceroos and they give Mark Holden a chance.
1: My thought is they will be battling to make the top six. I think they're a chance again, uh, and I think it's quite likely. I'm going to go so far as to say I think they finish fifth place again.
0: Yeah, I think they can finish. They can definitely finish sixth. I don't think there's a any question about that. The players they loft, I don't think, are detrimental to their their season uh, this year, and and I think that um. It'll only be better from the, the year playing together and 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 as a, not just as a team but as a but as a as a club um, from from the from the players to the staff to the backroom staff.
1: So there we are, ladies and gentlemen. The the top tip from the from Splinters tonight: Sydney FC to edge out Melbourne City for the one-two for the league, and third place really looks like it could be a battle between the likes of. We're thinking possibly MacArthur, Perth Glory, uh, Western United as well and Wellington Phoenix failing for the top six and possibly even Melbourne Victory being the big improvement from last year.
0: And, Dom, you're going the Mariners for the spoon. That is correct, yes. Sorry, uh, Central Coast uh, fans.
1: Well, don't be, don't be sorry for them. I mean, they've got to put up with uh, with Matt Simon ripping more T-shirts apart when they um, when he goes out to play. So, look, one last thing before we go. It's, the, it's where there's very quick thought on where the A-League needs to go next. There is constant rumours about a TV rights deal trying to be struck again, uh, whether Foxtel are going to keep supporting the competition. We saw the first big move, which was Simon Hill going over to Optus Sports. What chance is there of the A-League jumping ship to Optus and do you think they could actually get more money out of it than what they've currently got with Fox Foxtel?
0: I think it's a very good chance that they'll take, that Optus Sports would, will end up, could end up taking it. It obviously won't be for this season, but I think there's a very good chance Optus to, could take it. I think it's the smart decision for the A-League to do. If Optus is offering a competitive deal to Fox Sports, I think it's only smarter that they move to to opt us to keep football in the family but then i suppose the argument there is will they lose viewership because you know going to be competing with the premier league you know do they want to do they or do they want or does it or at the same time are more people going to go that way because they're going to be watching their football uh, in the evenings with the premier league but you know they might watch they might turn it on before and catch a couple of the a-league games beforehand do do more people start to view it because of that i'm not too sure i think there's a very high opportunity um, that it could go to, to Sport. I think the big move for me is the, is the loss of rights Foxtel have had in terms of the rugby union, um, whether it's a loss or, 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 or a gain. <laughs> well, that only time will tell, which gives them a, a bit of cash to, to, to give to the A-League if other competitors come in to offer to take on the rights. In terms of where it needs to go, it needs to have a big season this year Teams need to play well. There needs to be, you know, need good crowd attendance. There needs to be a, you know, it, it needs to be shown that it's going somewhere as well. I think more announcements like, you know, potential new teams and, and relegation and, and, and promotion, whether that be that, you know, that's still two years away or so. Start putting in the processes to make it happen. I think that is the biggest thing that will drive success for football in this country is relegation and promotion. It's difficult because of the geographical landscape for the A-League in terms of Australia, but it there needs to be some way that it happens. Whether they – they develop a conference model and then in, in terms of or like a state model moving forward, then maybe that might work. But, they, yeah, there needs to be something done there. It needs to be sort of a mixed up. They need to remove those games, as I mentioned at the start, where they feel like dead rubbers. You need to eradicate them as much as possible. Well, there's a lot of dead rubbers in the Premier League overseas as well, but they've got the fan base. They've got the passion. We don't have that here. Australian, it's the same across all codes. Every game needs to be a grand final for people to turn it on and yep. for the casual fan to turn it on. And if they can create that, then they're going to be heading in the right direction.
1: Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is full-time here on Splinters. We can't wait for the A-League to start. And we're very excited to see it um, finally expand to 12 teams. And I think – now there is some serious talent coming through. Once again, my thanks to Don Rizzuto for, jo- for joining us here for Splinters. It's great to be back working with you again. We can't wait to see what this A-League season produces.
0: Bruce, so I'm very keen to get stuck into some Australian football this year. It's going to be very exciting. I'm looking forward to what's going to be a, an intriguing season. It starts at the perfect time. If you're a full-time worker like uh, the majority of us here on the, on the Splinters, uh, it's going to happen, right? It's going to start right during the holidays. We can sit down and watch it without interruption. So it's going to be a fantastic uh, year moving forward, that's for sure. Absolutely.
1: This is Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, Apple Store, YouTube Music, Spotify, TuneIn and all good podcast sites. On behalf of the Spicy Chorizo, Dom Rizzuto, I am Anthony the Bull Caruso. As always, run hard or run home. Good night.